Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I am so glad you're here. In keeping with the theme of the <laughs> what I'm calling the new season, as I told you, I have a lot of cool interviews that I'm excited to share with you, and today is no different. So without further ado, please, my dear guest, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do, who do you work with? Yeah. So thanks for having me. Of course, Sarah, love being here. Love being able to meet you earlier this year too. That was really fun. So hi everyone. My name is Charlotte Olson. I am a success mentor for women and teens. And what I do in my success mentoring is establish elite mindsets holistically. So that way women and youth who come out of coaching are more proactive instead of reactive in their mental coping skills. My credentials in terms of why I coach and who I am is I simply base my practice on be who you needed when you were younger. So did you need a big sister? Did you need an aunt? Did you need a friend? And I kind of approach all of my coaching in that regard, just giving people the ability to unlock what they already have within them. But also aside from that, I do have my master's in education in school, sport and counseling psychology and I am a certified eating disorder recovery coach. So I do tend to practice more with the holistic wellness in terms of like eating and body positivity. Yeah. And when we did get a chance to get together earlier this year for something totally unrelated, and <laughs> you mentioned that this is the work that you do, what really sparked my interest in particular in having you on and I want to talk about like so much that you know about, but in particular, something I really struggled with as a troop leader with my previous troop is especially as girls started getting older and not that old, unfortunately, very young, I started noticing such a sudden and like alarmingly huge drop off in their confidence in not just confidence in putting themselves out there, but especially around body insecurity and their physical appearance. And I was shocked to really starting to see that in an alarming change around third grade. And then by middle school, really feeling like I had so much love and care for these girls and I was scared and worried and totally ill-equipped to support <laughs> them in their relationship with their bodies in their self-love journey and I think that this is really relatable for a lot of other volunteers who you know we're struggling with our own relationships with our bodies our own relationships with food <laughs> our own relationships with wellness and now all of a sudden we're one of the most influential and reliable adults in this group of girls lives as they're growing up and a consistent resource a consistent role model a consistent go-to person in their lives for several years that's a lot of pressure and I thought <laughs> I need to have you on because when you shared that you specifically have a lot of experience and do a lot of work with girls around um, their relationships with food and their relationships with their bodies and their relationships with like their self-esteem, I thought, oh my gosh, you have to come on the podcast because <laughs> I can't be the only troop leader concerned about this. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. You know, thank you for having me. Of course. My first thing I want to say is like, thank you to all of the volunteers that are Girl Scout leaders or that in some way 
are a mentor to young women. I myself was a Girl Scout. I actually went all the way through juniors and I know how impactful that is. My mom was a leader. Several of my mom's friends and neighborhood mothers, so to speak, were leaders. So I know just how impactful you guys truly are. I honestly credit Girl Scouts with my passion for, I guess, like goal setting and dream catching is what I would say is like, because it all came down to the badges, right? You wanted to get certain things and learn certain things about different cultures and different hobbies. Let me just give permission that it is totally okay that you have no idea what you're doing. Like no one really equipped us for this, right? We were sitting in, you know, college, high school, middle school, and we're, our bodies are changing and things are happening, but no one was really saying like, Hey, this is why. And so it's been this like gray area since even me and you were young, since people before us were young. So we, like you said, barely know how to navigate this ourselves. How are we supposed to be wisdom to people younger than us? So this is my first and foremost permission that it's okay that you don't know. It's okay that you may feel murky or like you're swimming upstream or that it's a total gray area because most people don't know. And it's really starting to now come with this new wave of mental health that I'm just loving seeing because now we're finally acknowledging a lot of the stuff that's in that quote unquote gray area. Specifically in terms of like advice, and I'm sure that I have a lot of tips and tricks and tools that we'll dive into probably later here, Sarah. But my first thing would just be that kids are incredibly resilient. I'm not saying to obviously say anything that would scar them or be too vulnerable with them, but kids are resilient and kids are looking for someone that is going to be honest. They respect honesty. They they respect transparency. And so they kind of know when you're fooling them or when you're giving them a, I call them like a common phrase. It's like, you know, when someone passes and you just say, I'm sorry, like, yes, that's kind and that's helpful, but it's not really benefiting the person who's feeling the sorrow. It's just kind of like a, like a pleasantry. And so when you're addressing girls and when you're addressing women, it's okay. A, if you don't know the answer and to just communicate that, but it's also just okay to be like, look, I remember when I was your age and I remember when I felt that way and I'm still figuring it out. They're coming to you for a solution. Absolutely. But at the same time, it's okay to say, you don't know. And it's okay to say that you will find out because at the end of the day, even through all the girls I've mentored, I've asked them afterwards what their like favorite thing was right of our coaching. And they always say you were transparent. You were honest. You, when you didn't know the answer, you told me, you didn't just give me some like fluff answer. And so this is like your permission slip that it's okay if you don't know. And, but we will dive into some more stuff that will help you help them as well. Well, that's a load off. So the two <laughs> <laughs> the two areas that I've heard you both in this conversation and in other conversations talk about um, with your background and your expertise is holistic wellness and mm-hmm. confidence. So what's the correlation between those two big ideas? Yeah, so I feel like it's like putting the power in your hands, right? So when you know how to do something, when you know how to explain it to somebody else. There's that old saying of like, well, if you can teach it, then you can do it. Or if you, if you teach it, then you know it or something like that. And that's kind of the connection to me between holistic wellness and confidence. If I know how to take charge of my body and specifically my mind, which then leads to my physicality, 
then I'm going to be in control of my emotions, actions, feelings, et cetera, moving forward. But that does take time. It's not an easy fix, right? It's not a diet pill. It's not these quick overnight things. It's something that does take a lot of work. In fact, I'm very adamant, like you've said about, this is going to sound so backwards and I don't mean to offend anyone that's listening, but I really don't love a lot of the hashtag body positivity movement. And this is not me hating by any means because it is a great movement. But to me, until you can fix what's going on on the inside, the outside is going to remain ugly. So until you can put the power in yourself to say, no, today I'm going to wake up and do affirmations or I'm going to move my body or I'm going to look at my weight worth in something else, not into my number in relation to gravity, nothing's really going to change and you're going to continue to not feel confident. So the, you know, the short answer is the connection is putting the confidence back in yourself to handle yourself in situations that might be tricky as you go through different seasons of life. Ooh, that's, there's so much to think (laughs) about. So much to think about in that. I'm going to be ruminating on that for a while. Okay. So one of the things I've talked about on this podcast before, Girl Scouts used to have this research that they would put out every couple of years called the state of girls, where they would talk about kind of what girls are up against in the USA today. And they would look at, you know, state by state, but they'd also look at, you know, trends across the whole country of like, here's what our girls lives are here's you know and it'd be everything from graduation rates to um you know there'd be health statistics there'd be teen pregnancy rates there'd be the changes in the standard household there'd be what languages are spoken at home just in general like what what is the girl experience in the United States and they would do that like every two years and it was such good research but they haven't done it in a few years which is really disappointing so kind of on the same vein because we've talked about that on this podcast before when they were putting that research out but along that same vein what does wellness look like for girls today (laughs) what are their biggest obstacles to this concept of holistic wellness and related what are some obstacles girls of today are up against related to confidence oh man we don't have enough time for this one sarah (laughs) there is so much i can unpack here Oh my goodness. I would say the first and foremost, I don't know if this is a scientific term or not, but I'm going to say it's trend swapping. So, you know, we have these trends on TikTok, right? For example, I'll just state the water drinking cup. The current one is the Stanley. And yes, you should get your water drinking. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but first it was, you know, the Tervis Tumbler and then the Yeti and then the Corksicle and then the Swig. And then now we're at Stanley and tomorrow it'll be something else. And so it's this continual, like grass is greener mentality where what you had yesterday is not as good as what you're supposed to have tomorrow. And so these girls are watching TikTok and watching, and I don't mean, let me rephrase that. So these individuals, because however they associate, I want to be mindful of that to you, Sarah. So if you want me to say girls or not, is, is that true? Girls? This is like a recent thing that's really been coming up a lot on this podcast for me. So Girl Scouts, obviously the organization is gendered, 
And okay. thank you for thank you for actually like saying this. And and I'd like to leave this in um, because it's something that has come up on multiple episodes recently. Girl okay. Scouts as an organization is gendered. The mission statement of Girl Scouts is building girls of courage, confidence, and character who make the world a better place. GSUSA does have an inclusivity statement that, and I don't have it in front of me, so this is paraphrased, but any child who identifies as a girl and is living life as a girl and is recognized as a girl by her community is welcome a welcome member now there's a whole lot of kids who are not accounted for in that statement that it's a little bit murky and it's a little bit problematic because it doesn't it doesn't answer those questions um the the statement so a lot of things are like left up to councils generally speaking the people listening to this we want to be inclusive and we want to love on kids um so i don't know what the like pc way is to say kids who don't who who weren't who weren't born and assigned male at birth and also still identify that way all the other kids (laughs) all the other kids are girl scouts right so it's usually easiest although i know that's a cop-out to gender the conversation because Girl Scouts literally in its title is gendered. So most of the time, yes, we're talking about girls, but I really appreciate that you stopped to consider how to be inclusive in language talking about kids because of course it affects more than just girls. Right. That's why I was like, wait a second. Yeah. It's hard. It's really, it's really hard in the context of this podcast. Yeah. Okay. So a a great example of what I'm talking about is if you're scrolling through TikTok, right? And every other time someone is posting about a pair of leggings or the cup I mentioned. And so girls are now seeing this perspective of like, if you don't look, feel, think, act, carry, wear one of these specific items and you're not confident. And a side tangent from that is that... uh, we as a society, I, I mean, not to shame anyone, but we as a society have really done a terrible job of telling girls and women in particular, I'm talking from ages birth to present day, that there is somehow a, you know, this, I guess, divide between confidence and cockiness, right? So it comes back to that same idea of women, like men versus women, where like boys are taught to be brave and fearless and to go achieve their dreams, whereas women are taught to be meek and nurturing. Those are powerful characteristics. And I want those for everyone. Everyone deserves to have all of those. But when you kind of reinforce that, you go into this divide between confidence and cockiness. So if you are confident, then you're automatically cocky. But but that's two separate things. That's two totally different pers- you know, characteristics and emotions. And so now you're also seeing on the other side that not only if you're too confident, you're cocky, not only if you don't wear dress, think, eat these certain things, you're not worthy, but now you're also trying to navigate just life in general, puberty, body changes, maybe even family stuff is going on. And then you're seeing all these perfect perfected, you know, lifestyles on TikTok and Instagram. And you're like, well, where do I fit in? And so I would say as much as social media and society is doing their best and those are all great tools it's really hurting our girls in some ways because it's feeding them a false perspective so just having that perspective of like the grass is not necessarily greener and confidence comes from within and not from the curated feeds that you're seeing yeah there's so many things around social media and you're right when you said i mean we could have a whole conversation just around that (laughs) 
So what are some red flags to look for as adults who work with girls um, that they might be dealing with issues that impact their well-being? Mm -hmm. So some of the first ones that I really look for is like repetitiveness. So repetitive words, repetitive dressing, repetitive actions. Uh, What I mean by that is a lot of people will jump to the conclusion of like an OCD behavior think of like the little sister of an OCD behavior. So when your child comes home and they're saying, oh my gosh, mom, Caitlin said this and Caitlin did that. And I saw what Caitlin was wearing today. And I saw blah, 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 blah. Sorry, if you're Caitlin listening to this, but it's that repetitive word choice. It's that repetitive need for something that is materialistic or something that is not something that they feel that they possess. So, oh my gosh, she looks so confident. Well, you're just as confident. It's, you know, that repetitiveness, a uh, copy and pasting kind of along that lines is, oh, well, they have their hair and braids. So mom, you need to do my hair and braids or parent, you need to do my hair and braids. And then that also kind of then leads into all these mesh together is just like I said earlier, that trend swapping or that chin jumping where they always need that next thing. Obviously, as kids, they're like the best salesman. They're going to ask and ask and ask until they get it. Uh, And especially as they get a little bit older and they have more of a voice. But when it becomes the you are X age and I am an adult at X age and you want the things that I want, then that is telling me that something is feeding you information about what you are allowed to base your worth in. And so just looking for those repetitive actions, copy and pasting, trend jumping, and just their obsession with having something that they think will make their life better. Does that all make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. One of the issues that impacts way too many girls' well-being is disordered eating, which you touched on when you first introduced what you do. And I have as a caring adult not a parent or guardian in girls lives when they say things certain ways or they like talk about you know their bodies or their relationship with food or weight specifically or size not even necessarily weight but size and then especially the sudden weight loss it's it's hard because You want to hope that there's somebody in their family who is in touch with their health and they're responsible for their health, right? But as a caring adult, what's your best advice for caring adults who are not parents or guardians who notice that girls in their troops may be struggling with some serious health and wellness issues like disordered eating? Oof. (laughs) That is, I will preface this, and I know we've talked about this. This is all based on my education and my opinion with the work that I've done with close to 2,000 women. And this is what I've seen to work. There are other principles out there. There are other things that you can do. But my first piece of advice is just to know that your emotions towards this child or this teen or adolescent is valid. Your like whatever you are feeling, whatever you are sensing, it is valid. Whatever then in turn they are feeling, sensing, communicating is also valid. So my advice in terms of, let's just say, for example, in the Girl Scout realm, I remember we met, I think once a month or every other week, depending. So 
kind of the quote unquote roadmap that I would give a leader or someone that doesn't see girls maybe every day, but is still very, very, very impactful is document behavior. Cause it's really, really easy to get it. I mean, lovingly attached. I'm not saying you shouldn't be attached by any means. You love these girls with your whole being, uh, but document behavior because your emo- when your emotions are high, your IQ is very low. And so it's going to be very easy for you to be like, well, I swear I saw it. I swear I feel it. And yes, you do, but document, document, document. And that can just be a little note on your phone. Like, Hey, I noticed that Jocelyn was kind of picking apart at her food. Or I noticed that Marie was, you know, really obsessive about saying I'm fat, uh, just jotting it down. And after the rule of three, after you've noticed at least three occurrences, this can be in one longer setting, this can be over time. But once you have noticed those three, that is when you can kind of discern that there is something that is going on that is unrelated to, to the communication or the context in which they're saying it. Then once that happens, my advice is always to communicate with the group and then the child, because you never want to single out someone smaller because they're not going to take it well. I mean, how many, I'm a grown adult, I'm 30 years old, and I can remember when my teacher sat me down and like singled me out in a classroom, right? But if they would have addressed it as a group, and it was especially in a setting like Girl Scouts, where it is so encouraging, then you can kind of address the group as a whole. With that being said, because that is also tricky, and I recognize that something that you can start doing, and this is what I do with my girls, is I have um, word control. So any student that comes through my program, whether it's in person or it is virtual, there are two words, one they are not allowed to say, and one they are always allowed to say. And I'm telling you, I have a girl that just graduated high school, and I sent her a cute little gift, and I asked her, or she saw me somewhere and I asked her, I was like, well, what did you, what do you think is something you've took with you? And she said, it's one of these words. And the words that I create in this environment is that when they are around me, they are not allowed to say the word can't. And they are always allowed to say the word yet. And why I do that is because it's applicable to literally every part of our life. So in terms of wellness and in terms of weight loss, like we're discussing specifically with the binge eating, yes, you may not like your weight now, but it's not unchangeable. It's not something that you can't learn to love. So you're just not there yet. Whereas coming in with that fixed mindset of, I can't ever lose weight. I can't ever be pretty. I can't ever fit in because I'm this and I don't wear that. That is already defeated. And that's that fixed mindset. But if you switch that, even just in the like little time that you guys spend with them, which I know you probably always wish is more, you can allow them to have this safe space where they know that anything is possible. They know that what they're feeling right now is temporary and that they're just not there yet in terms of where they want to go or what they want to achieve, even if they don't know what it is. Cause they may just be saying this because they're coping with something deeper, but my advice all in all, I know that's a very, very long answer is just to document it when you do communicate it or when you do talk about it, talk about it in a group, And when you do say it, use I statements, put yourself as the center, don't isolate and use personal background facts, but also like say something like, Hey, I also struggle with this. And this is how I handled it. Just wanted to talk about it to you girls. If you continue to have this, you know, you're always welcome to come talk to us. It can be something as easy as that. So just know that your intuition and your emotions are always valid. 
and to move forward with the best of your ability with an open mind and putting yourself in the center to help those girls. On this podcast, I'm pretty protective of what to go to parents with or caretakers and what to what to tell them and as far as like um what you're obligated to tell what's a betrayal of trust what's a threat to a girl's safety etc um but i would say one thing that i do want to note is if a girl does come to you and expresses that she needs help honor that conversation and um talk through her about what kind of help it is she needs but depending on what she comes to you with, you may need to bring in a caretaker. And I wouldn't hide that from the girl. Like, and Charlotte, you tell me if you have other advice as well, but like, I wouldn't hide that from the girl that like, it doesn't have to be immediately when she tells you, Hey, I need to tell your, your caretaker, but like have the conversation with the girl. And then before the conversation is over, if you know, it's something that needs to go to her caretaker then and I would usually approach it as like who else have you talked to about this who else knows to find out already from her if she's already brought in a caretaker um and also to find out who she feels is safe in her own home about this um and then if she says nobody I haven't talked to anybody or I've talked to my friend at school but that's it you're the only other person and it's not a caretaker then I personally would say like have you thought about you know, talking to your parent or guardian about this, depending on the person's situation and why or why not, right? Like, let, like, kind of opening that. Um, so I would have that conversation with the girl personally. I would have that conversation transparently. And then at the end, depending, like, if it's a threat to her life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if a girl is coming to you and saying, like, I need help, I know that I'm stuck in this pattern of, you know, whatever disordered eating or whatever other you know cutting or any of these other like really horrible issues that girls are really dealing with suicidal ideation etc like hey this is really something that other adults need to be brought into like can you talk to a school counselor about this can you talk to a caretaker would you like me to have that conversation with you would you like me to have that conversation on your behalf like (laughs) what you know that's how I would probably approach that situation if someone came to me but do you have other kind of thoughts or input or tell me I'm wrong (laughs) about any of that Oh no, you're, you're totally spot on. I just take, I honestly, in full transparency myself, I just take for granted that people know that. So I'm glad you really brought that up. My rule of thumb, and this comes from my, you know, degrees and things like that is that if the adolescent child's, you know, life is in danger, if they are a threat to themselves or to others, then that is when you report and actually based on the state that you live in. So for instance, when I was living in Indiana, Indiana is a right to report state, which basically means that, and this is getting a little off topic, but like, it basically means that like, if a child comes to you and they are in danger, either to themselves or others, you are mandatory to report that to someone that can change that situation. Yes. Troop leaders, uh, no matter the state being in this role, it is, you are a mandated reporter. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's good to know. So then they probably know a lot about this then, but okay. So then yes. So the short term is everything you said, Sarah is 100% spot on. I really liked what you said about encouraging, like, do you want me to talk on your behalf or would you like me to go with you? Because some of this, honestly, a lot of this 
is it's fear, right? We don't know the unknown. And when you're, when you're talk like when you're small, your brain is not fully matured. It's not fully developed. So your emotional intelligence is so low and that's not your fault. That's just because of your age. And so when you're facing this thing, like you're all in, like you're all in on the fear, you're all in on the obsessive, you're all in on the, you're out of control. So having that person that could essentially hold your hand and walk you through it to someone else in your life that you also trust, but maybe are just a touch, like worried to tell or disappoint is powerful. So 100% always bring up those options and always, 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 you know, be that advocate. I think it's important to address because, you know, we work really hard on cultivating these safe spaces for girls to be girls. We build these relationships over time with girls from the time, hopefully from the time they're very young in most cases, and we want them to be able to talk to us. We want to be a safe and trusted adult in their life. And then they get to fourth, fifth, sixth, twelfth grade and the things they come to us with are really overwhelming. Like, oh boy, how am I supposed to react? So let's like flip a little more positive because this is like kind of giving me a panic attack. But I, I do think it's good. I think it's good info. But what are three or a few suggestions or tips you have for adults who want to help girls have positive relationships with food and their bodies? Sure. So my tips are going to be based specifically around the first part of that question, which is like food. Uh, Obviously food is nourishment to our body. We need good fats and proteins and water to make us feel good and to make us reach any type of goal or just to live being a healthy human. Uh, My first thing that I love to talk about is like fact versus fiction. Uh, This is something I came up with myself. It's something that I use a little bit more with my older girls And when, even though statistically girls start hating their bodies and comparing their bodies and developing eating disorder tendencies around third grade, I know all my mamas, I'm so sorry to weigh that on your heart, but third grade is about when it starts and especially starts taking off at that fifth through seventh grade level because of puberty, but the fact versus fiction, and this is applicable to food, bodies, anxiety, depression, anything, but what is a fact about this situation and what is fiction about this situation? So say, Sarah, I come to you and I say, Sarah, I'm not eating. I I'm, I'm too fat. I want to lose weight. I want to look like Kimberly. I want to be thin. So I've stopped eating. Obviously you can have other sidebar conversations like we just discussed just in the sake of time and role playing. But then you could also say, well, what is a fact and what is a fiction about the mindset that is telling you that you have to stop eating in order to lose weight. Like, why is that mindset not saying, oh, if I just eat lots more fruits and vegetables, or if I drink more water, or if I talk to a friend, like, et cetera, right? So the fact of that is going to be what is backed up by science? What is something that right now you could Google on your phone and Mayo Clinic has at least 10 articles about it that are true? That is the fact. Okay. And then a fiction is obviously your opinion and the way that your brain is turning a situation into that immediately. If you take a step, take a breath and you go, okay, what is fact? What is fiction? That emotional intelligence I talked about earlier is really going to hone in. And it's going to be like, wait a second, this thing that I'm pretending is a fact is actually fiction. And the thing that's fiction, I'm trying to turn it like, it really helps you weed through. So that's my first suggestion is creating that fact versus fiction um, like buffer 
when there starts to be a manic or a tense situation. Another one specifically to food is allowing food choices to be in the hands of the child. So growing up, I didn't experience this as much. My mom just made me dinner and I sat down and ate it. Now I was lucky that I had a mom who was very health conscious. We had three square, you know, we had the fruits and the, we had the, my plate basically. And, um, but I never was really in charge of that food until I was in college. And while it sounds like, Oh, great. Well, now I have to take my kid to the grocery store. That's my one moment of peace. No. Um, when they're at home, you know, give them something to cut, give them something to saute supervised on the stove or give them, ask them, what do you want for dinner? That's within this realm or within these parameters and giving them that power gives them the ability to make choices and gives them that confidence that they're in control of what they are putting into their body that is or isn't healthy. And it doesn't have to be resentful. It doesn't have to be like, well, why'd you pick that? It can simply just be like, okay, cool. Explain to me why you made that choice. Explain to me why you chose potatoes over carrots. Both are great foods to have, obviously, but allowing them to back up their choice will just give them more confidence with what they're eating and how their body is then, you know, in turn showing up for them. And the last one, and this is just such a big one. I'm really passionate about this is there are no good or bad foods. So yes, there are certain foods that are better for you, but there is no label that when you go to the grocery store is slapped on the side of something that says danger, danger, bad food, bad food, or like sunshine and rainbows, good food, good food. Granted, Yes. You should eat veggies. You should eat fruits. You should eat, you know, your protein and your good carbs. Yes. However, there's no good or bad food. It's just food. And it's the label that we have assigned to it for some other reason. And what is that reason? It's different for each of us, but there's no good or bad. So those would be my three is just the fact versus fiction, allowing food choices. And then there's no good or bad when it comes to food. So much good stuff there. Are there any activities or exercises that you can recommend? And I don't mean exercises necessarily like physical exercise, although that could count, um, or workshops or something like that, that you can recommend for adults who work with girls of various ages. Because we do have listeners who have girls who are on like the kindergarten side. And we also have girls, adults who work with girls in high school. So like everything in between. Absolutely. So I know we talked about like resources and stuff. My first resource that I will say, and I actually use this myself in my coaching from the different ages, because I do as well see girls that are very young all the way up to adulthood. And I lean a lot, honestly, on this business called Big Life Journal. So I don't know the owner. This is not an ad. This is none of that kind of stuff. But she has a lot of practices like workbooks and assignments and planners and just tangible materials that really focus on that growth versus fixed mindset that are, and she has them broken down into different age groups. So that would be great for exercises that are kind of like plug and play that you can just download really quickly and take to a meeting. Uh, so that's like a first resource that I would recommend is big life journal. Another one is the line game and hand raise game. So this is going to work a little bit better with your older girls. This is just essentially, it takes the mystery out of scary, controversial, gray area topics. So it's kind of like when we were, I don't, at least for me, when I was in high school, like the heads down, thumbs up kind of thing, where 
you close your eyes, you raise your hand, and then you open your eyes and you see who else is just like you. They also did this in Freedom Riders where you step up to the line if you've experienced this thing or, you know, whatever. And so then you get a visual perspective of all the other people in the room who feel, act, think, are going through the same exact things you're doing. So if you've ever felt fat when you look in the mirror, if you've ever woken up and not liked your reflection, if you've ever felt like food was your enemy, step up to the line. And so then it shows them in real time, like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who is struggling with this thing. So that one's really great. Like I said, it does work a little bit better for your older girls, just because you can get a little bit more out of them in that puberty age. So I would do that with them. And then obviously for your younger kids, it's that thing I talked about earlier with yet and can't really kind of making it a game. So my younger ones, I always like, if they start to say, well, I can't do that thing, or I can't learn that principle, or I can't do this in math. I always immediately respond with yet. Yeah, you can't do it yet. And I say it just like I just said it kind of sassy, very like kind of in their face, like challenging them. And then they learn like, oh, she means business. And now and then it kind of does sometimes become a joke where they're like, well, I can't yet. And they like giggle about it. But that tells me if they're making a joke about it and if they're like saying it back to you in casual conversation and being sassy, that they've obviously learned it. So just keep that in mind, like that culture of words. And then lastly, absolutely feel free to reach out to me. I do do virtual like coaching with groups and I also do it in person. Obviously, if you're in the Midwest, I'm in Kentucky, Uh, but I am happy to either help facilitate virtually any of these things I've talked about, or even just explain them more in detail so that you can facilitate them. So, you know, don't hesitate to also use me as a resource as well as these other activities. That's awesome. Where can people find you? So for the most part right now, in terms of coaching, you can just email me or you can give me a text. Uh, my email is training at gmail.com. That's the name of my coaching business. Uh, it's not anything fancy. It's just named after my favorite flower. And I'll give Sarah those details so you guys can link it and, you know, do all that fun podcasty stuff, but just email me my phone number. You can call me too. I'll link that below. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. I'm Shar underscore Olson 108. That's just a full perspective of my life. I actually, my Instagram in general, I make sure that it's geared towards the authenticity of my life. I share things on my story about my struggles. I share things about eating disorder stats and statistics. I share just my general life and how things trigger me or how things encourage me. So it's really a full picture of just someone that's out there really talking the talk and walking the walk. So yeah, just Instagram, email or phone. That's amazing. And then to leave off, what is one thing that you wish or you want adults who work with girls to know? That it is 100% kind of a twofold here. It's 100% first to not know the answer. It's okay to admit that you don't know because you don't and may not know like legitimately. So it's better to say that and to be like, I don't know the answer to that, but I will find out for you because I care about you than to say some fluff of like, well, you're doing great. Okay. That doesn't really help what I'm feeling. So that would be the first part is like, it's okay not to know. Second, and kind of alongside that too, also like, it's okay to sit in someone's pain without having to make it a big solution-based thing. It's okay if someone just wants 
wants to tell you how they're feeling without a solution. Sometimes just listening is all anyone needs. And then piggybacking off of that is it is also okay to share your side. It is totally okay if you are comfortable to talk about your history. For example, all of my older girls, because I don't share this with my tinies, but with my older girls, I'm very transparent that I myself am an eating disorder survivor. My 16-year-olds right now know this about me. So that way it's not a shock to their system when they see me posting from the National Eating Disorder Association on my Instagram stories. I'm very transparent. I even have like a tattoo of this survivor symbol. So just being transparent and being like, I remember when I went through that and this is what helped me. Or I remember kind of feeling that way, but why don't you explain it a little bit more? So just not knowing the answer is okay. And also being transparent in the appropriate setting is also very, it's more helpful than hurtful. It's better to share your story and build connection from a communication and like authenticity place than to just give some cookie cutter response. I love that. Thank you so, so much for your time and for all of the incredible work that you do with girls and women. And um, thanks for coming on and sharing some of your wisdom with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And for the rest of you, see you next week.